looking back at it, it was, at the time, it was like the most devastating experience. I'm speaking to Christopher Waring, former rugby league writer at Real Sport. Chris has a look about him that screams inner city Sydney. He has tremendous taste in music. He's the kind of guy that seamlessly works Boards of Canada into a 30-day song challenge, and you wouldn't even think twice about it. He looks like he would support the Newtown Jets just because Newtown has the best boutique cinema in Sydney. But he was born too late. Instead, he's a Tigers fan. For like a lot of people, it's more like a family kind of, you kind of pick it up. So most, most of my dad's side of my, pretty much all of my dad's side of my family are, it used to be what, all about main fans and that's gone to obviously West Tigers. So, um, and my dad, I started playing rugby league when I was like six. So my dad's always been like a Mad Tigers fan. So I just kind of picked it up through that. It's just been like a, like a family tradition, I guess you could say. The year is 2010 and the Storm's era of dominance has been put on ice by the salary cap scandal that has tainted their legacy. You see, the Storm featured in every grand final from 2006 to 2009, winning two. But now, they weren't to feature in the finals. A new dawn for rugby league was upon us. The Tigers had come third that year and would face off against the sixth place Roosters in a qualifying final. Christopher, just 15 years old at the time, watches the game with his father in their lounge room. Me and my dad had my jersey on. I remember the jersey I had, it was the... It's like the the Balmain strip of the West Tigers one, and it's like the one when they used to have the the Don Fresh Meat uh, ad on it. I just I still have that jersey somewhere, but obviously it doesn't fit anymore. But I remember I was wearing that, and that's the only that's the only Tigers jersey apart from the old Balmain one that I've ever had. Yeah, certain <laughs> certain moments are like stuck in my head. So, uh, as as a, I watched a replay of it last night, but like, but there are certain moments that I didn't even didn't even need to catch up on that. They're just like stuck there. Most rugby league fans know how this one goes. If you don't, we won't spoil it just yet. My talk with Christopher was filled with praise for the 2010 iteration of the Tigers and laments on the future. In fact, Chris went into great detail about the Tigers' final successes after 2011. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a conversation podcast about rugby league. My name's Bo Nicholson. For this, our first episode, I'm joined by regular panellists Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson as we take a deep dive into the 2010 qualifying final between the West Tigers and the Sydney Roosters. All right, I'm joined today by Kieran Gibson. Kieran, how's isolation been treating you lately? Oh, not too bad. It gives me time to do everything that I've been doing beforehand anyway. I'm not really doing anything different, to be honest. Um, I guess other than staying indoors a bit more and getting to spend more time with family, which has been nice. Um, I actually haven't minded it despite my age. I thought it might not be something I'd want to do, but um, no, I've been, there's not been much tension with the family, which has been good, a positive. And uh, I'm quite a big, big runner, big into running. So I've gotten to do plenty of that um, get back into a fitness routine and stuff. So it's been good. 
I've been enjoying it. I'm glad to hear that there's a, a silver lining for you. And I'm also joined by Miles Stedman. Miles, have you been a responsible citizen staying indoors and all that sort of stuff? I have, Bo. Um, but from what it sounds like, I've enjoyed a far less productive uh, isolation period than Kieran has. <laughs> I haven't been running. I haven't been reuniting with my family or anything, really. So <laughs> it's been um, it's been a fairly torturous but... Um, at the end of the day, uh, adaptable um, isolation period for me. We're talking about the 2010 qualifying final between the West Tigers and the Sydney Roosters. Now, obviously, if you've already seen this game as a league fan, you know that this game goes right down to the wire. But, Kieran, I was hoping you could uh, fill us in a little bit about uh, what had happened thus far in the season to get to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So... Um, at the end of the, I think, yeah, 26 rounds for the 2010 season. Um, it's 25 now. Uh, just one win separated the two sides, um, with the Tigers finishing third on 34 points, 15 wins, nine losses, and a positive point differential of 34. The Roosters actually finished with a, a better point differential. Um, however, despite losing just one less game, it meant they finished three positions lower on the ladder in sixth. Uh, with 14 wins and 10 losses. And leading into this game, the Roosters were on a two-game winning streak and the Tigers had won three of their last four. Um, So I guess the form book was slightly in the Tigers' favour and being that they had finished higher on the ladder. um, They had Marshall, who who was in uh, hot form, Farah, who was in hot form. Um, I think you could say probably the Tigers were slight favourites going into this one. They, they had also uh, tasted Premiership success, success a, a bit more recently, having won in 2005, and, uh, and the Roosters last won in 2002, prior to this one, I believe. Uh, Miles, what does, what does this matchup look like between the Tigers and the Roosters? We've just heard Kieran saying they finished higher in the ladder, things are probably in their favour, but the Roosters had a couple of aces up their sleeve as well. Yeah, look, um, both clubs had actually kind of enjoyed a, a fairly joyless uh, half decade. Um, um, the Roosters missed out on the finals in four of those years, um, while the Tigers hadn't made the finals for a while either. Um, the Roosters had actually finished in last place uh, the previous season uh, under Brad Fittler, which probably no doubt hurt the fans, <laughs> given he was the, the halfback or, or 5 eighth. can't remember which, um, in their last uh last triumph um but brian smith is the head coach this year for the roosters who uh, as it were uh, ended up winning coach of the year um and new signing todd carney also won player of the year um both of those obviously at the dally uh, awards um the tigers uh, showed perhaps well not perhaps but a lot more promise at the end of last season um they finished one spot out of the finals um but still uh probably a poor showing this year probably gets Tim Sheen's likely fired um, as he's uh, he's been around for a while now with the Tigers, um, obviously having seen that 2005 premiership, but um, you would have had to have think that a backward step this year would have probably seen the end of him. Yeah, it's one thing that I think we underestimate about this game is that we, we always think about Benji Marshall being like one of New Zealand's greatest ever players. We think about Todd Carney and the rarest of touch in that particular season. Uh, but Brian Smith and Tim Sheens were both master coach coaches, and Tim Sheens had won a number of premierships with the with the Raiders and then also with the Tigers in 2005. So uh, it was going to be a battle of the clipboard as much as a battle of 
brawn and brain, but I will say that the Tigers did jump out to some early dominance in this game. They uh, they seem to have a lot more intent in, in this one, I, I, and that's a word that I throw around a lot, and I think it gets a little bit overused sometimes, the word intent, but there was just something about the way that they started the game with Bryce Gibbs. They moved Todd Payne into the back row, which really bolted them up in those open, opening exchanges, and they were really ripping into those roosters. Uh, Miles, uh, one in particular that really caught my eye was uh, was Gareth Ellis uh, on that on that left edge. I thought he was really impressive. Yeah, um, I remember a few years there that he was in the NRL. The uh, the league was was basically totally unequipped to deal with a, a fully fit and firing Gareth Ellis. Um, he he obviously his his first real involvement of the game was that a big hit on I can't quite remember on who but it forces a a mistake in the opening moments from the Roosters, uh, and he's basically constantly abusing the 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 Roosters right edge there. Um, and he probably should have had about three tries in the first half, which we'll go into a bit more later, I'm sure. But yeah, he was he was a uh, super in those opening moments for the Tigers. Well, speaking of those those attempts at try, uh, one of the very first ones was about five minutes into the game. It didn't take long at all. The Tigers were were really peppering down their left edge, which of course is the Roosters' right edge of defence. And Ellis was over the line, looked like he was going to score for all money, but suddenly there was a try saver from Todd Carney, Kieran. Yeah, um, so this was the first uh, attempt that Ellis had. His dad had travelled all the way from England to come watch him for the final series and um yeah it looks for all money i mean i reckon if you were to get the measuring tape out ellis would have been about 30 centimeters away from the ground and carney whilst he was in the tackle it wasn't until the very end that he snuck his hand in and managed to rip the ball from ellis's grasp um i think everyone in the whole grounds thought it was a try except for carney who obviously knew what he was doing and it, it reminded me of a minicello strip on Ben Murdoch Masilla two years later. It's probably the best, the Minicello strip, the best strip I've, I've ever seen in my whole life. Um, but uh, this one was right up there as well. I I, I didn't see it coming myself, and it, um, it was desperate defense uh, from the Roosters that um, they really needed because, like you said, the, the Tigers started hot, and they, uh, they led with a lot of intent. Yeah, and Todd Carney, obviously, earlier uh, in that week, was awarded the Dalian Player of the Year. And it's, for, it's not just for attack. People forget that sometimes. Uh, he did have a really good season half at fullback as well. And, and it's efforts like that that sort of show uh, that he was a good fullback. Uh, only a couple of minutes later, they were back down that left edge again. And Gareth Ellis again forces his way into the in-goal area. Uh, but this time... They hold them up again. Miles, uh, what did you make of, of the fact that the Tigers were... were uh, what direction they were aiming their attack? Yeah, the, the Tigers uh, clearly had the, the Roosters' left edge uh, pinned as a weakness. Uh, you see Benji Marshall there exploited with a dummy half scoot on a number of occasions uh, in that first half. Uh, creates a number of, of opportunities for his team. Kind of like, uh, and we've discussed this before, kind of the like the way that Andrew Johns used to exploit a, a quick dummy half scoot down the the, the left side of the defence to, to exploit a number of teams back in the 90s. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the Roosters uh, were going for a, a different style of attack, wouldn't you say, Kieran? Yeah, um, they were trying to wrestle back a bit of ascendancy with their... Uh, backs outside backs running from dummy half. Um, I think Peter Sterling commented 
that he thought that that's where the Roosters were really good. Um, they were running both Minicello and SKD in the opening minutes were running from dummy half, in particular those two, um, just to try and sort of get back a bit of um, momentum um, in the arm wrestle. Uh, and they both, actually, they went down the blind side, I noticed. Um, they weren't afraid to kind of chance their arm. I guess they had to really because the Tigers, even if it was the early stages of the game, they were really getting on top of the Roosters who had no field position at all. And look, notwithstanding that early dominance that we're talking about um, for the Tigers, the forward battle was really something to behold. You just don't see that like that anymore, do you, Miles? No, you don't. It, it was a great forward pack battle the, the whole game. Um, and I guess in coming years, we started to see um, more men in the tackle to, to conserve each energy per player, um, which is, you know, you, you kind of see big data incurs, make their incursion on sports um, across the world. And, and that's kind of uh, killed off the art of the, the big hit which has sort of gone by the wayside a bit, but you certainly see it. Uh, you certainly see, see a lot of big hits in this game, especially in the first half when the players have uh, a lot of energy. Absolutely, but not enough energy to stop Gareth Ellis from getting to the trial line a third time within 15 minutes. Uh, again, peppering that left-hand side. Uh, Ellis this time gets through, this time grounds the ball, but he is denied because of Benji Marshall's commitment to the thug life where he has, where he has punched Mitchell Pierce in the head, um, in the play the ball in the previous play the ball, which has incurred a penalty against the Tigers, uh, which means of course no try for Gareth Ellis on his third attempt. Kieran, seriously, what are the bookmakers making of that? Yeah, I mean, you would have to. I don't think he would have been uh, at high stakes before the game started for first try score, even with his dad coming out from England, as we mentioned before. But I would have had to have thought his odds would have dropped dramatically after that third attempt. And I I like a punt myself a little bit. I probably would have been looking up the app if, uh, if I had been watching that game live and I'd been old enough to bet, I think. Absolutely. I was old enough to bet, but I was always quite responsible at that time. Despite those missed opportunities, I think the Tigers kind of wisened up. They sat there and thought, you know what, Gareth Ellis isn't destined to score a try here. So, Miles, I reckon they they used him tactically in a different way. Yeah, you see it. Um, you, you see it with some of the great players um, throughout the league history. Um, it's it's the fear factor of, of Gareth Ellis which gets the Tigers their first try. Um, you see Marshall at first receiver and Simon Dwyer looking to, to come in behind him and, and take the ball back the other way. Um, and he, he he kind of fakes to to Dwyer and also to Keith Galloway who's at second receiver. Uh, and Ellis is is who's out who's outside uh, Galloway is is running such a hard and convincing um, line at third receiver, which occupies Sean Kenny Dow and basically puts the Tigers into the corner pretty simply. Um, and Lottie gets them on the board um, for their first try, which I think uh, Rabbits mentions. Um, Lottie has a pretty good record at, at Sydney Football Stadium all up. Uh, both uh, rugby and and uh, rugby union and rugby league. 15 away from the line to the middle of the park. It's Marshall showing it out to Louis on to Ashford. Surely, surely, surely to carry it. Scored another try at the Sydney Football Stadium. His record here is good. The Gareth Ellis factor is, of course, a factor, but there is also just the gluttony of possession they had. Uh, Kieran, they just they kept piling on the pressure. Oh, definitely. And the, I think that was the fifth dropout 
Um, and uh, and Asta, for there about two or three dropouts in a row there, you could see him really getting, not maybe not in the ref's face, but you could see him remonstrating, saying that he didn't think that they were dropouts. He thought that there was the wrong decision. And they were quite, quite clear-cut. Um, I think you could tell that the pressure was kind of getting to the, to the Roosters, and Anasta was looking for a little bit of that pressure to be let off, uh, and it told um, shortly after that. For Takiri to play it, Farrah to give it, and then from Louis, back through Payton, back to Marshall, second man for Brown, floats it out for Bo Ryan, Ryan, he's over! Bo Ryan has scored for the West Tigers! Marshall again creates an overlap with some sleight of hand. He uh, wrong foots Kane Linnett, quite embarrassingly, uh, with an outside ball to Mitch Brown, who was filling in at fullback for this game for the injured Wade McKinnon. Uh, Mitch Brown then throws a cutout ball very early to Bo Ryan, who had quite a, a bit of work to do, um, it has to be said. Um, he beats one tackle by spinning out of it and then dives bravely at the knees and bodies of three other dudes to score a try uh, in the corner on the right side. Marshall was unable to convert. Um, the score was 10-2. Now, Bo Ryan is a guy that I think nowadays is mostly remembered as a as a bit of a knucklehead. Um, but Miles, he was, he was having a pretty good game here. Yeah, you know, he, he was never the most talented winger, Bo. Um, he was always a, a good winger, but uh, never the most talented. But um, what I always admired about him was his... Um, total willingness to, to take hit, hit to make a play. Um, and he, he does that in this try. He, he knows that he's going to get thumped by about three roosters and he um, still uh, puts on a spin move and, and goes down, gets down low and, and scores in the corner. And um, for his troubles, he, he cops a, uh, a bit of blood on the schnoz, but, um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a good-looking man, so he's, he's going to come out of that one okay. Yeah, he's got a bit more of a head start than the rest of us, I'm afraid. Um as Marshall did not convert on the right side there, uh, the score was 10-2, and it stayed that way heading into the break. Now, just a reminder that the Tigers were in third place and the Roosters were in sixth place. Now, in the McIntyre system, as it was back then, it was 1 versus 8, 2 versus 7, 3 versus 6, 4 versus 5. The two lowest-ranking losers get eliminated. So the Roosters were a very realistic chance of getting booted out, despite having the captain, coach, and player of the season, according to the Dally M's. Uh, and the Tigers were well-poised uh, and had quite a bit of momentum, wouldn't you say, Kieran? Oh, for sure. Uh, I think halftime came too early for the Tigers, it's fair enough to say. Um, they were just really starting to crack that Roosters defense that held up so well for so long. They scored both of their tries in the last 10 minutes, and you could see that the all the momentum, all the field position was with the, the Tigers, and it was no fluke. It wasn't the result of penalties. It was just constant, relentless uh, penetration of the Roosters defense, just uh, marching downfield and um, it was peak Robbie Farah as well he was at the height of his powers he was every single kick he uh, he uh, laid down the field was um, finding the grass and that just meant that the Roosters had to um, work even harder for their meters to get back upfield and ultimately ultimately it meant that the Tigers were were able to keep the the field position and um, yeah that's why they were were on top and uh they they would have loved to have kept playing for another 10 minutes i think at least um and then going into the sheds hopefully uh another couple of tries up i think it's probably fair to say that like you know yes their 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 forwards were running harder the the backs were more clinical the playmakers were finding more grass than Snoop Dogg on all their kicks but i think there is more to that as well wouldn't you say miles 
Yeah, no, this uh, this game truly was Tim Machines at his best. Um, yeah, you saw it back in two thousand and five when the Tigers were like this, and they're they're like this in this game as well, and that they're not looking to to kind of score off every play, um, but they're keeping the defense guessing each play with uh, different moves that they're putting on and different angles they're they're showing up um and that's probably the second best thing you could ask for to uh, scoring off every place so yeah this is this is um it was a really good uh, tactical incursion from tim sheens in the the first half and uh we'll go into more, more later but it's a shame he he couldn't keep it up yeah i mean at this point uh, the the, the scoreline might have been a bit deceiving, really. I mean, 10-2, um, and Tim, you're right, the, the game plan seemed to work so, so effectively, and they could have very easily had another three tries if those Gareth Ellis tries went through. Um, but by all rights, it should have been out 26-2, but in a lot of those occasions, it wasn't just bad discipline from Benji Marshall that stops a try from happening. It's also some really good scramble defense, wouldn't you say, Kieran? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that, that Todd Carney save on Ellis that we spoke about earlier, um, even when get, Ellis did get the ball down from that Marshall try, whilst he probably shouldn't have got the ball down, there was three Roosters defenders all around him. Um, they they were backing each other. They were all putting in uh, 100% to get to the, uh, the man with the ball. And um, yeah, you could see that the effort was there. It's just it it did seem like they had to be the next to score after half time if not for the scoreboard to to put to reel it back in uh it just just for themselves to kind of lift their morale um you you you'd sort of think uh if they they were the next to concede a try um their heads might drop um and it might be a bit too much to come back from there even with the even with Marshall missing a conversion if he missed the next one it would have been 12 points so I probably would have called it there. And we'll be back with the second half right after this break. to Above the Horizontal. You're listening to Bo Nicholson and I'm joined by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman. And we're talking about the Tigers versus the Sydney Roosters in the 2010 qualifying final. And the Tigers at halftime are up 10 points to two. And they've had a convincing start to this match. Uh, a match that could very well knock out the Roosters. And the second half started much the same with the same sort of energy. Um, there was a fantastic line break by the Tigers just four or five minutes after the halftime break. It's Robert Louis that's destined to score the try, if not for a brilliant cover defense from Mitchell Pierce, um, which forces, because it's the last tackle, Robert Louis to throw the ball back on the inside, and Minicello picks it up. Uh, a vital effort there from Mitchell Pierce, because that could have been curtains if the Tigers scored right at that moment. But, uh, suffice to say, uh, the way that the game was going, the Tigers had all the running, and just a couple of minutes later, in that same set, there was a lovely ball from Todd Carney for the Roosters, which created some space on the right edge, but Mitch Orbison, uh, less reliable than we've come to know him as, holds the pass up a little bit too long, and gives it straight to Blake Ashford for the Tigers, who intercepts. Played by Minicello to the 30-meter line, Carney's with the ball, holds it back, passes at the line, oh, Ashford's over halfway. It's Carney chasing. Ashford and Carney. Carney and Ashford. Ashford! Ashford! He makes it to the line. The kid from Paddo. As I said in the telecast early, 
is born a hundred yards from here. And he's nearly run back into the hospital. 14 points to two, uh, which of course, uh, Marshall missed that kick. So 14 points to two, it stayed. Now, a couple of minutes, about 10 minutes later, the score's ticking along. And the game's really moving in the same sort of direction. The Tigers have all the ascendancy, all the possession. Uh, and Robbie Farah goes, he has on the fifth tackle, he's 20 metres in front of the post, and he takes a field goal to make it 15 points to two in the 55th minute. Kieran, is that the right call? I mean, at this stage of the game, like you said, the Tigers, they continued on in the second half much as they did in the first. I don't think it was the right call at the time. Um, but I do recall in the commentary box, they did say that Farrow was kind of taken unaware by being passed the ball. He didn't expect it, and he kind of just thought, oh, well, I haven't got much time here. I may as well take a shot. We're up by 12. What harm can it do? Um, I think with the Tigers' attack at the moment, they were kind of wearing the Roosters down. I know that there was a bit of a the break with half time. Uh, I still would have liked to have seen them them apply a bit more pressure and gone for the try, but uh, as it turns out, it wasn't too poor a decision in the end. Yeah, I mean, like hindsight's a wonderful thing, and 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 we all know how this ends. But um, look, I think a thirteen point advantage which is more than two converted tries, of course, with 25 minutes left, and the way their defense had been so stout, uh, and how how drained the Roosters were, and the fact they had two young forwards in Ben Murdoch Masilla and a young Andrew Fafita sitting on the bench unused to that point, you'd have to have thought the Tigers would have backed themselves in to defend that lead. Miles, do you, do you think it was the right call to take that field goal? Well, the one thing I would say, it's certainly not the wrong call, I don't think, but the one thing I would say is that um, and as we'll get to it, uh, if not for basically a freak play, one in a million at the end of the game, it would have been the right call. So, you know, you um, you, you take uh, you, you take the opportunity to get in the game. Uh, Robbie Farrow took that one, and it was for seventy nine minutes and fifty nine seconds. It was the right call. So it's interesting because there's there's two ways to look at this. Like fifteen to two. You're playing the percentages, you're getting to that 40-meter line and you're kicking regardless of what the tackle is. If it's tackle three, great. You kick it past the winger, you turn them around, you make them work hard. Um, that That's worked for the Storm for near enough two, two decades. Um, but, Miles, you could say that it was a change of tactic uh, from Tim Machines. Do you think it's the right call? It was a fantastic kicking game from both um, Marshall and Farah and... I think the the mistake here is that uh, Tim Sheens decides to rest on that um, on those fantastic kicking games that those two players were having, rather than using it as it was in the first half, which was basically just a, a pressure release valve for the Tigers. Uh, what he does, Sheens, in the second half here, I think, is uh, a really poor call in that he kind of tasks the Tigers' defence with winning them the game. And I think this is a major misstep because I just don't see why you go away from uh, such a previously effective tactic um, in um, challenging the line on, on, as I said, challenging the line in every tackle um, to play a more tiring brand of football. And, and as they say, the, the best form of defense is, is a good offense. So, um, and you really see the Tigers get tired towards the end of this one. And... Like, you know, if, if the game ends up being 15-8, to 8, of course, it's a, it's a great move, and we have the benefit of hindsight here. But the one thing that you can't question is the fact that the Roosters had an artillery. And if they were, if any team was going to be capable of scoring 
14 plus points to win a game in 20 minutes. It's a team that has former Golden Boot winner Anthony Minicello, uh, current Dally M player of the year Todd Carney, the most promising young halfback in the comp Mitchell Pierce, uh, Jake Friend, a very promising dummy half, Braitha Nasta as an extra ball player at, at you know at second row. Um, it's quite a risky tactic to start playing from in front like that. So I, I do agree with you. And it was interesting that to this point in the game, it was all the Tigers. And, and Todd Carney was kept pretty quiet. Um, about the 55th minute, pops a little chip over the top, uh, about 15 metres out from the Tigers' line. Todd Payton came up with the uh, questionable defusal method of patting it backwards towards the try line instead of catching it, which I thought was interesting. Um, perhaps he should have his license for defusing bombs revoked. And if not for a desperate Robbie Farah, that would have been a try for Dodd Carney under the posts. Uh, it didn't work out that time for Todd Carney, but it did get a repeat set. But he tried to chip in chase again in the 60th minute. Carney again for himself. He's got the ball back. He passes and that's the scores. And as the scores, hit him forward, but he's pointed to the spot. So it's all over Red Rover. And the great one, Peter Snorky Sterling, spoke about individual brilliance. This was the, the start of the comeback for the Roosters. Um, like uh, Miles said before, um, the, the Tigers changing tactic, kind of with the, um, the ball in the Roosters' hands a bit more, um, given that the Tigers were kicking earlier in their uh, tackle set. Um, it just allowed the Roosters, Roosters to grow in confidence and uh, especially Carney being the Dalian player, he just went on with that and uh, he was um, very inventive in attack. So he's converted that try from wide on the left side of the field to make it 15 points to 8 with about less than 20 minutes left. Uh, Miles, you've got an analytical mind. What are you making of the change of tactics uh, for the Roosters in the second half? What basically Brad Fittler says at some point in the second half of commentary and that uh, it's going to take some some individual brilliance to, to win them the game. And and you see that, uh, again, Carney uh, breaks through the Tigers' line um, once more. Uh, and you see, as I alluded to earlier, the Tigers standing around watching just because they're so tired from attempting to win the game with their defence. Um, and so it kind of sets up another a try-scoring opportunity, which is uh, only then stopped by an incredible try saver from from Bo Ryan so I think um for from a Brian Smith standpoint putting the the ball in your 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 best player's hands and letting him go to work um it's it's not um it's it's certainly not a, a tactical masterstroke per se but it's it's basically doing what needs to happen to to get the team back in the game playing to your strengths uh and as you said Todd Carney did split them open. Minicello sure to score, if not for that amazing Bo Ryan tackle, like you mentioned. At that point, uh, Tim Sheen's starting to look a little bit nervous on the sideline, Miles. <laughs> yes, he is, but uh, at least he, he looks good in his suit. Um, rest in peace to uh, coaches wearing suits on the sideline. The score the score is 15 points to 8 with 10 minutes left. Uh, as you say, Todd Carney is running everything. Uh, and look, Sometimes he's just trying a little bit too hard. Five gone now for the Roosters. As it goes to Carney. Couldn't be with a better person. And he's gone to ground. Well, that'll do, mate. Well, you stopped him. You stopped yeah. him. Dalian, player of the year, 5 out of the year, and proven summons medal. You've killed him. You stopped him. That'll do, mate. I couldn't be with a better person. Well, he slipped over. Shut up. 
Unbelievable. A couple of minutes later, about the 72nd minute, where uh, the Roosters on the last tackle are throwing the ball around on their own 40-meter line, and they're getting shepherded towards the touchline. They desperately throw it back in field, and Simon Dwyer is the closest person to it, puts it on the toe, and himself gets put into touch, giving the Roosters six again from a scrum. Kieran, what did you make of that decision? Um, well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Tigers were up by seven points. Uh, I think the smartest decision would have been to just dive on the ball. Um, maybe this is the right stage of the game to wind the clock down. He probably should have had that in his mind. Um, at least you're, you're 40 meters out. You've got an attacking set. You're starting your set from 40 meters out. The smartest thing would have been to do to just dive on the ball um, and see what what your team can make of it from there. I, I, just kicking made no sense, and right now I can't even I can't string a, a proper sentence together just trying to, to think of what was going through his head at the mind. I guess a bit of inexperience just kind of led to him kicking it, a bit of excitement, um, thinking he might score the try that would have sealed it. It's worth remembering that Simon Dwyer was only 21 at the time, um, but you're quite right. I mean, they score again from that set, if he retrieves the ball, uh, it's curtains and the Roosters are probably gone for the season. Um, As it turns out, uh, he does not. And from that following set, uh, the Roosters uh, created an opportunity, Miles. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm going to kind of uh, heap it on Chris Hyington here, um, and I will later on as well. Um, He'd he'd had a good game at that point. He'd made a number of uh, of gut-busting runs. but he was, he was certainly never the fittest bloke on the field, um, and he's clearly gassed here um, by this time in the point with about five minutes to go. Um, he's lined up opposite uh, Todd Carney. Again up the middle. Todd Carney! Here goes Todd Carney! Pierce! Got support! Mitchell Pierce! Mitchell Pierce! He has scored! Mitchell Pierce! He has put it down behind the uprights! It'll be a one-point game in a moment! He kind of trails a, a great dummy half scoot from Jake Friend, who's who's now on the field um, for uh, for I think it's um, Jack Orbison, James Orbison. That's it. Um, and Hyington's just way too slow to make anything happen here in defence. Um, so Carney carves him up, and, and Mitchell Pierce is uh, filling the lane perfectly behind Carney, um, and he goes under for what's probably going to be the easiest try he's ever going to score, and it, that basically completely turned the game on its head. Well, because it was straight under the post, uh, it was an easy conversion for Carney, which he took very quickly uh, and only snuck it inside the left up, right? But the score is now 15-14 in favour of the Tigers with just a few minutes left. Uh, and it's worth remembering, if the, if the Roosters lose, they're relying on both 7th and 8th place losing to make sure they stay in the comp, which of course didn't happen with the Raiders winning uh, from 7th place. So if the Roosters did lose this game, they would have been out. Not long after, though, they've they've made a bust down that right-hand side, and, and, a, and a reason for the extra space was that Benji Marshall limped off the field um, with only about five or seven minutes left, and Tim Sheens had already used all of the ten interchanges available to him, which meant that basically the Tigers had to finish the 80-minute period with just the 12 men on the field. Uh, the Roosters found a little bit of space down the right-hand side. Mitch Orbison fancied himself as a sprinter um, and got bundled into touch by Rob Louie, which was quite an amazing moment, Kieran. 
Oh, yeah. Robert Louis played it to perfection. Uh, he didn't overcommit himself. I mean, obviously, Orbison's not the fastest man on the field, but um, you could see the way Louis kind of um, changed his actions to, to kind of mirror what Orbison was doing. If Orbison slowed down slightly, so did Louis. And then when Orbison really went for it, uh, Louis chased hard down after him and uh, tackled him over the sideline and almost um, into Brad Fittler, who at the time... Uh, in the commentary box, he was slurring his words, or on the sideline, sorry, he was slurring his words a little, but up in the commentary box, they were asking him if he was on Valium. A grandstand finish. The crowd's deserved it. They've been on their feet all night. Is what it's all about. Get the thoroughbreds. Marshall, Carney, let's have it. Let's get it on. <laughs> Take a pill. Get over there and check on Benji, Freddie. Benji's he's getting his knee rubbed. Right knee. He's got ice on his right knee. You have to wonder, Fittler probably thought he was going to get crashed into just the way he would have been seeing things at the time, possibly. Not long after, uh, the Roosters got the ball back and they secured a repeat set with some uh, elusiveness from Todd Carney and, and a nice kick from Braith and Nasta uh, into the in-goal area, which gave them a line dropout. That didn't last long, though, with uh, Simon Dwyer redeeming himself, Miles. Yeah, um, Dwyer makes what I reckon any casino would have paid out here is definitely the play of the game with 60 seconds to go. Um, you very, very seldom see uh, players stop Jared Warrior Hargraves in his tracks, um, and that absolutely happens here when, when Dwyer um, basically throws his entire chest at him and, and uh, forces the knock on. Uh, look, there's no surprises that base Dwyer basically ends up knocking the nerves out of his own shoulders uh, by the end of his career, which is uh, unfortunately forces him into retirement just, uh, I think, the year after this. Um, and you, you hear the commentary team kind of ruminating over whether the referee might give a penalty here for a high shot as Dwyer's... Uh, I will say Dwyer's uh, elbow definitely does collect uh, Hargreaves in the head, but look, no referee is going to be um, brave enough to give a penalty there and and I might add, before I hand it back to you, Bo, um, Dwyer's hit, which is probably right at this minute the best player in the game, somehow ends up being probably the fourth best player of the game, which is just incredible and shows you how much left this game has to offer. And I dare say, Miles, one of the one of the plays that would uh, pip it uh, comes in the in the very next scrum, the ensuing scrum, Kieran. This is another, uh, I think you have to revoke the license of a player. Um, I don't know, Hyington probably, he is a forward, but I, I wouldn't, um, if he was still playing, let him uh, pack at the back of the scrum again. He uh, he just completely forgets to pick the ball up, and Frank Paul Nuasala, who I, I didn't think had a great game, had the presence of mind to sort of see that the ball was still there and dives on the ball. Um, at the time uh, of the, the game, I think there was 13... No, 34 seconds left because they had they got tackled and then they went again. But anyway, it was it was literally the only thing the Roosters could have come up with to to keep themselves in the game, and it was thanks to a a high a Highington blunder. Um, in the commentary, they said that uh, someone tapped the ball with their foot, and that led Highington to be a bit hesitant because he didn't know which way the ball was going to roll. But I kind of thought that was a bit of a cop out, and he could have just dived on it with. Like I said, 34 seconds left. Absolutely. Like, it, it, it was basically a matter of Frank Paul Nuasala wanted that ball more. And Hyington, like many Tigers fans, probably felt that the game was theirs. Uh, all they had to do was play sensible football, no risks, but also no desperation. 
and and that really showed in that moment. So with 30 seconds left, the Roosters are desperate. They know they could be knocked out. They need one point to tie the game and send it into extra time, or of course, a try. They're throwing the ball around desperately all over the shop. They're down the left touchline for some reason when they need a field goal. Uh, the siren's about to, to sound. They throw it back to their second rower, who happens to be captain and former half Braith Anasta, 10 or 15 metres in from touch, about 30 metres out. Oh, they've got the ball! Unbelievable! New Asala has fallen on the ball! They've got to kick a field goal. It's gone away away. to Braith Anasta. He's jinking and he gets it back to the man that might take a shot. Oh, Totkani! He takes a shoulder from Fafita. He'll play it it on the 30 metre line. They've got to take it. They've got to take it soon. Pierce to the 30. They run for a try now. It's come down to Graham. Back to the middle. It's found Minicello. A long-range shot from Anasta. He's got it! Oh, what a kick! He got a kick! Anasta has nailed it! Brave Anasta has kicked the drop goal! What a finish! That is sensational! 15-15. The Roosters and the Tigers. The Roosters with... an incredible comeback. So how extra time works in this situation is it's not... It, I mean, it is golden point, but what happens is you play for five minutes one way, and then there's like a half time of extra time, and if there is still no score after 90 minutes, the game just continues on from that point. And Miles, uh, what did we see? Well, what we saw is um, Pierce, uh, Robbie Farron, and, and um, Bobby Louie all missing pretty easy. Well, not easy, but um, more regulation field goals that they probably should have made. Um, that was all in the first 10 minutes of, of extra time. And then we get to uh, Sam Perrett's uh, moment to forget. Um, he hasn't done much all game, um, and I'm guessing he's um, – just so tired from playing 95-odd straight minutes of footy um, up and down the field. Um, And, look, we've all been in that position where you've played for so long that you're probably not quite about yourself and you're not sure where you are on the field. Um, So as a result, I'm I'm guessing that's what he's thinking. And as a result, he's basically forced into catching this this Robbie Farah punt, which is not not, probably not going to go for a 40-20, but... um, for all, all Parrot knows, it, it might. And so he's, he's forced to kind of jump up and catch it, and his calves are gone by this point. Um, they'd stopped playing after 80 minutes, so he's got no bounce. And what happens is it, it goes straight through his hands and, of course, collects collects his hands on the way through, and, and that gives the, the Tigers a fantastic attacking uh, play right in the Roosters half. Which, unfortunately for the Tigers, they, they just couldn't, ice it, could they? They just, they just couldn't. The, the halves with Benji Marshall off the field. Uh, Louis had a good game. Farrah had a great game, but they just didn't have the composure in that moment to get it done. Uh, the forwards, however, Kieran, were having a, a, a pretty good game, particularly despite that fatigue, um, the amount of charge down efforts. Yeah, I think Liam Fulton had one, but I had to note Todd Payton, he had one. Um, I think the Roosters had a shot from 15 metres out, so he definitely had to get to that one, or else I think you could say it would have been all over. Um, and then just moments later, he tackles Sean Kenny Dowell, who Brian Smith, after this game, actually says, I don't know why we didn't get the ball to him 30 minutes earlier, and he could have ended the game for us in regular time. Um, he Peyton down the sideline tackles um, SKD, and uh, yeah, it could have well been over there and then as well. Absolutely, but uh, it... 
the ending did come about five minutes later when uh, the Tigers were they were trying to keep that ball alive and, and Liam Fulton, uh, who had spent some time in the halves and, and he did also after after uh, I think he was actually playing five eight at this point in the game because Benji Marshall was off the field. He was the second rower earlier in the game, so he's playing five eight. He's treating himself like a five eight. He's throwing little runarounds. He's directing traffic. He gets the ball. He throws a big. 20-meter spiral pass that comes out of the hands pretty good. And they come back to the middle, and Fulton is there. Fulton goes on to Louis. Louis goes short in for Peyton. Peyton does the same for Fulton. Intercepted by Kenny Dow. Gibbs is after him. Fulton's after him. They are not going to get him, although here's Simon Dwyer late. Takiri late, but that's Kenny Dow. Kenny Dow has scored his 21st try of the season to win in extra time. The Roosters have won it. 1915. Liam Fulton, live that one down, Miles. Uh, he probably won't live that one down. Um, but that, t- to be to be fair, uh, as I said earlier, everyone's everyone's brain is moving slower after 100 odd minutes of footy, um, and this pass obviously should never have been thrown in the first place. You. You watch it, and I watched it a few times on replay, um, and it's it was only ever going to one dude, and unfortunately that was that was curtains for the Tigers. Kieran, uh, what an ending to that game! Nineteen uh, fifteen to the Roosters. Uh, look, twenty minutes out from half time, is there any way you could have pictured that we were going to go over ninety minutes in this game? Uh, no, definitely not. I mean, you can't you can't picture it for any game, but um, for this game of all games as well, the Tigers' dominance. Um, one thing I think that could be said though, um, earlier in the, towards the end of the second half, Sterlow says that, uh, two weeks prior, the Roosters were getting smashed by Manly and they come back and beat Manly. Um, and in round 22, I believe the Tigers are, um, beating the Rabbitohs easily and then they get run over in extra time. So Sterlow had pointed out that something like this could happen again with those two teams kind of faring differently in extra time. Um, but it was just it was just an amazing game and um, yeah, awesome to watch. For his uh, for his very prominent nose, but also for his ability to predict things in rugby league games, he, he did well earn the nickname Nostril Damas. Uh, anyway, it's, it's uh, that's that's the game. Nineteen fifteen to the Roosters. We're going to take a short little break, and we'll be back with our awards for this match, as well as the final tackle. Back to the first episode of Above the Horizontal. I'm Bo Nicholson. I'm here with Kieran Gibson and Miles Stem, and we've just talked our way through the 2010 qualifying final between the West Tigers and the Sydney Roosters, which the Sydney Roosters won 19 points to 15 uh, in absolute heartbreak for the West Tigers. Now it's awards time. This is where uh, each of us nominates uh, someone for an award or a moment for an award in, in a bunch of different and fun categories. The very first award is the MVP. Uh, I'm going to be absolutely basic and I'm going to go with uh, the Tally M winner uh, and the best player all season for any club, Todd Carney. Boys, is that 
pretty hard to disagree with. Okay, cool. We're all basic then. That's nice and easy. Uh, let's see if we can get a bit of differentiation. So the second award goes to the best moment. Now, for me personally, I went with the Anasta field goal. Like the way they were just throwing that ball around willy-nilly, one point down, one point levels it and sends it into extra time. And Anasta just absolutely just murks the game from the Tigers. I find that hard to go past, but uh, Miles, uh, do you have something for us? I do, I do, Bo. Uh, I thought that you guys probably might have said either the SKD try or the Anasta drop goal. So I'm going to give it to, to Frank Paul Nuasala here for uh, diving on the ball in that scrum. Um, you know, we, we do see, yeah, <laughs> this is downplaying it a lot. Uh, we do see field goals and intercept tries all the time, um, as great as they were. But um, I can't remember the last time I saw that in the scrum, let alone at that point of the game. Um, I reckon it's... I reckon it's uh, it's one of those, you know, s- small slices of ingenuity that just went on to basically win win the game for his team. Um, I've gone a bit left field just purely because it's a moment from the losing side, but I went with the Simon Dwyer hit on Jared Warrior Hargreaves that led to Frank Paul Nuasala diving on the ball. Simon Dwyer and JWH were both 21 at the time. Um, Dwyer, uh, little experience in the game, and he comes up with such a big moment at the end of the game. Um, but the reason I've given it the best moment, not just because it was such a good uh, shoulder charge, but it was also because the ref, I believe, made the right decision in not penalizing the Tigers. Um, the game could have ended there and then with the Tigers taking, or the Rooster, sorry, taking the two. And I thought it was just brilliant that um, it was just given uh, as a scrum to the Tigers instead of the, the penalty to the Roosters that it could have been. Yeah, you're right. I mean, in terms of a product, it makes for a better product. Um, you know, who cares if he gets a, a shoulder to the head, whatever. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, the next award is, hey, it's that guy. Uh, basically where we give an award to somebody that we may have forgotten about or someone that uh, doesn't get the raps that they deserve. I've given the award to James Orbison, who was playing as number 18. He was the starting dummy half. I had literally forgotten that he existed. I, 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 I like, you know, Mitch Orbison has become this Roosters almost legend, right? And James Orbison, uh, you know, was a good option at dummy half for some very good teams. Like, he, he played in the Storm 2007 uh, side for, like, 15 games behind Cameron Smith, obviously, and then with the Roosters until 2010 as Jake Friend's deputy. Uh, he was released after playing in the preliminary final later on in this season, which gets them into the grand final. He didn't get picked in the grand final, and he uh, got released from the club and went bush, uh, never to be seen in the NRL again. He's 33 years of age, uh, never... So he, he basically retired at the age of 23. Um, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting one. Kieran, uh, hey, it's that guy. Uh, hey, it's that guy. Phil Graham for me. Um, I just, yeah, I remember him. He's sort of one of those players. He's a bit of a throwback for me. Um, is It's when I started watching Rugby League that uh, he was sort of um, coming through at the same time. I started watching in 2003, and I believe he debuted in 2002 for the Raiders. Um, but he was playing on the left wing for the Roosters in this one. He scored 79 tries in 147 games. Um, 68 of those came at Canberra in, I think, under 100 games. So he had a fair strike rate, um, close to 70%, if not that. Um, and he also he had the honour of scoring four tries in a match against the Brisbane Broncos in 2009, which is 
quite a feat. I mean, um, they say the average NRL player plays, I think, maybe under 50 games. So um, he had a fair career. Absolutely, and I'll give props to anybody that can score four tries against the Broncos because everyone enjoys that. Uh, Miles, hey, it's that guy. Uh, hey, it's that guy for me is Martin Kennedy. Um, and when I saw him um, on the field for the first time, it kind of got me thinking, and this is just sort of off the top of my head. I haven't looked into this super um, correctly or not, but I think there's maybe like three players in this game that go on to sign a uh, million dollar contract and that would probably be Fafita, Pierce and Martin Kennedy. Uh, and obviously hindsight's twenty twenty here, but given how many not only how many great players there are in this game, but great forwards in this game period, um it's it's kind of ridiculous that Kennedy is the one that made away with a small fortune just I think maybe the year after this or or, or the year after that even. So He's yeah. He, he I think he signed like a five four year contract with the Broncos for about close to a million a season, and he's been out of the league for a good a good while now. He, he was almost my nomination as well, Miles. And and the reason for mine was he, I I very 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 specifically remember him as a guy that on the very first kickoff of the game, uh, it was received by a halfback or a fullback or whoever and passed to him. But as he was receiving the ball, he tripped, and he headbutted the ball <laughs> instead of catching it, and. Then, uh, and then he's ended up. Um, <laughs> then he's ended up uh, conceding a try to the Bulldogs, I believe. So I'll always remember Martin Kennedy for that. The next award is the Cradle to the Grave Award for commitment to the thug life. From the cradle to the grave. This is an award where we either give it to somebody for thuggish behaviour, for for brutal hits, or for the ability to keep getting up despite being bashed and bashed and bashed. And for me, personally, the Cradle to the Grave Award for Commitment to the Thug Life goes to Benji Marshall for having such strong commitment to the thug life, he punched Mitchell Pierce in the head to deny his own teammate a much-deserved try. Kieran, (laughs) Cradle to the Grave Award, who is the biggest thug in this game? Uh, I found this one a little bit hard to split between Bryce Gibbs and Simon Dwyer, but I still, I just can't go past Simon Dwyer's hit on Jared Warrior. Hargreaves, for me, that's a that's a pure thug life moment. Um, you could put that straight into any thug life clip and it would fit perfectly. Yeah, I've gone Dwyer too here. Um, and the commentary team mentions this, but um, I, I don't think it gets any more thug than um, attempting um, one of the most dangerous plays in the game uh, in terms of how quickly it can go wrong, which is a shoulder charge. And as they say, if, if, that, if that tackle goes wrong, uh, that gives the, the Roosters a penalty right in front um, to take an easy two and win the game. So that was, you know, maybe foolish, but maybe ballsy as well from Dwyer to put a big hit on probably the biggest dude in the game. Maybe foolish, maybe ballsy, but definitely thug. Um, so the next award is the Greg Inglis Award for deserving to have their license revoked. And this award goes to... Uh, someone that throws a bad pass, a bad kick, a bad moment, a bad tackle, a, a bad effort at the back of a scrum, um, and they need to have their license revoked. Now, I'm going to give an honourable mention to Todd Payton for this one, who passed the ball two metres forward to Robert Louis, who was standing in front of him uh, during extra time. But 
as far as I'm concerned, Todd Payton gets off with a warning as he is renowned for his excellent ball skills and had an otherwise good game. So the award for the Greg Inglis Award for deserving to have his license revoked goes to Jason Riles for getting the ball on the last tackle, 15-8 down with 12 minutes left and Todd Carney a simple pass away in space and deciding to bomb it anyway. And it goes nowhere. Kicking license revoked. Miles, who gets the Greg Inglis Award for you? The Greg Inglis Award for me goes to Chris Hyington, whose uh, halfback license I am revoking for... Um, <laughs> I don't need to say much more, do I? Um, how do you how do you let that thing roll, man? Like, honestly, you've, you got one job, and that's to pick the frigging thing up. And, and I'm guessing that was the plan, just have him pick it up and basically make a hit up. And he can't even do that. Far out, man. Revoked! <laughs> Kieran, who's having their license revoked? Um, well, I guess to change it up a bit, I might go back to Sam Parrott. He batted the ball out twice in that game, and both times I think he really could have either positioned himself better or actually made the catch for the first instance. Um, yeah, I think he needs to... to he's, he's superb under the high ball usually, but he, he maybe could have had his license revoked um, just for the next game. Like, absolutely, Sam Perrett, reliable as an old shoe, but revoked, revoked. Okay, <laughs> the next award is best of a losing bunch. That is for the best player on the losing side, pretty straightforward. I've gone with Todd Payton, skillful and tough. He was relentless all game against the Roosters. Uh, Kieran, uh, who's the best player on the losing side for you? Uh, I've mentioned him plenty um, throughout this podcast already, but Robbie Farah. He was awesome. He kicked the field goal, was involved in everything good his side created, found the grass with every, nearly nearly every kick he had. And um, yeah, I just thought he, he exploited um, markers that weren't square all game as well. And he just did everything right, just about. Uh, I was going to say Robbie Farrow, but I'm glad I've, I've said Benji Marshall now. Um, uh, I think he was, you know, probably toe-to-toe with Farrow in terms of kicking game and was excellent in in attack for the Tigers all night. And, and I think to, to boot, um, him coming off the field with that injury really does them in in extra time, um, obviously because Liam Fulton is playing in the spot that Benji should have been. But, yeah, I think they really noticed it with Benji off the field in those last uh, 20 minutes. Absolutely. It's very hard to replace a guy who is a genuine great, um, particularly so late in the game. Uh, and the creativity that he has, he, he may have iced one of those field goals himself and, and won them the game in extra time as well. The next award is the... I, I've written it as future greats, but I, I want to open it up a little bit and call it future stars. So that way we're not going to get... Because I'm a stickler for this sort of stuff. I don't want to get hung up on words too much. So <laughs> future star uh, is someone that you know we're seeing a glimpse of at this time of their careers and they've gone on to do great or even very, very, very good things. And in this game, we saw a glimpse of Andrew Fafita. Uh, He is introduced into the game in the 72nd minute, but Fafita would go on to become one of the most devastating props in the game for the next decade and was desperately unlucky not to win the Clive Churchill medal when the Sharks won the comp in 2016. So for me, seeing a glimpse of Andrew Fafita was a a nice future star moment. Uh, Kieran... Who's your future star or great? Um, whilst he hasn't always been my favourite, uh, Jared Warrior Hargreaves, just as recently as uh, 
one of the uh, well, yeah, the last grand final played. He nearly won the Clive Churchill. Um, he was superb all game in this match, and uh, I he's um for me he's had a bit of a renaissance um towards the back end of uh, his career now. I think he's been superb the last two three seasons. So um yeah, I think we were getting a bit of a glimpse into the future there on that day. I too have gone with uh, with Jared Warrior Hargreaves, um, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that Kieran mentioned that that kind of career renaissance that he's seeing. Um, he's really kind of um, gotten rid of the penalty from his game, um, and that's made him, I think, a way better player. So I've gone with JWH here. Yes, and he has, as you say rightly, uh, become a very mature prop in his later years. Uh, later years, he's 31, he's younger than me, so uh, shut up, Bo. Um, <laughs> it's marginal, but still, it hurts. Uh, <laughs> the next award is the award for the turning point. Uh, it's our moment that we think the game changed, uh, usually for the team that won the game to go on and win. Uh, for me... The turning point, there, and there were plenty. There was plenty of things you could point to. Uh, but for me, it's Benji. When he goes off, he's their match winner. And when he goes off in the last 10 minutes with the score at 15 points to 8, suddenly there's 12 players on the field. Uh, I think he was technically on the field when they scored that try to make it 15-14, but he wasn't really contributing. He had a busted knee. Uh, Having 12 players on the field for that last little bit is a big reason that the Roosters were able to create the scoring opportunities they did to send the match into extra time. And then when he wasn't there for extra time, they became a lot less potent. So for me, it's Benji Marshall's injury and Sheen's not being able to replace him because of substitutions. Miles, what's your turning point? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually going to go with half-time. Um, uh, I think that, as I've said, uh, I sort of alluded to, Smith completely outcoached Sheen's in that second half. Um he diverted all traffic through Todd Carney, um, whereas uh, Sheen's also changed uh, to, to change his tactics, but certainly not for the better. Um, and as you mentioned, it left them short of, uh, of an interchange, a spare interchange, uh, to get someone on for Benji for those those last few scoring opportunities. So um, I think that uh, while uh, in the coaching battle, Sheen's was all over Smith in the first half, I think that... Um, Smith made the perfect few adjustments that he needed to, whereas Sheen's totally over-adjusted, and I think that that was the turning point of the game. Yeah, I have to feed off what Miles just said, really. I mean, the the Tigers' tactic in the second half to kick early in the in the tackle count kind of ruined them. It gave the, the Roosters um, a bit more ball, um, and with that they just grew in confidence, especially going through Todd Carney, who was is the adventurous kind of player and uh, the Roosters just supported him, just went with everything he did and that really swung the momentum of the game. Now, the next award is the... Uh, Miles, you'll be happy to know I've actually stolen this phrase from uh, Can- Canada's greatest ever comedian, Tom Green. Um, <laughs> um, from his stand-up when he would say, It was better before! It was better before! And it was better before <laughs> is uh, where we talk about what was better about rugby league at the time. And in 2010, I didn't realize it until I saw it twice in this game. I missed the chip and chase. And I, I didn't even realize it until I saw Todd Carney doing it. I, I, you rarely see a really good chip and chase. And when I think of a chip and chase, I think of Matty Bowen against the Knights in 2007. And I think about Todd Carney in this game. Uh, that was better before the chip and chase. What do you think, Kieran? 
Um, I'm going to go and say, well, yeah, sort of feeding off that, just the, the quality of footy in general. I believe that that kind of era, the uh, I think Miles has said this before previously when we've chatted, um, the 2005 to 2010 kind of era of the NRL was the most exciting brand of footy. Um, yeah, you had Hayne who was going on unbelievable streaks of form. You had Matt, your Matty Bowens. You had JT who was in his prime. Um, so many star players that weren't afraid to use their full skill set. Darren Lockyer as well, you get thrown into that mix. Andrew Johns has a few. Miles, it was better before. Yeah, I'm going to kind of uh, sort of side with Kieran here and take it a little bit further. Um, uh, I reckon it was better before when coaches uh, had a head to find the, the right balance between uh, both offensive flair uh, and the structure which goes up around said flair to make a team great. Um and we did see that for the entire season um, with both teams, but especially the Tigers. Um, and for 40 minutes in this game, um, they were such an exciting team to watch, as were the Roosters. Uh, and these days, it's uh, it's it seems to be all one way or the other. Either the, the coach in question is either um, fully into the percentages and you never see those things like chips and chases and um, second phase play, or they're way, way, way under coaching their side and they're just not giving them enough structure and direction to be a successful team across 25 weeks of the season. We're going to hand it over to Kieran for this one because uh, he's done all the research. Thank you very much, Kieran. Uh, it is Where Are They Now? Where uh, Kieran, I believe you found uh, some of the players from the Tigers team and, and what they're doing these days. Yeah, I haven't got anything on the Roosters, but um, I've got a bit on the a couple of, a few, four Tigers players. Liam Fulton now runs a successful mortgage broker business. Um, I hope it's going better than those passes he used to throw across field. And he basically yeah, yeah, he basically that's... mortgaged the Tigers' season with that pass, didn't he? <laughs> Chris Hyington, what's he doing now? He's a high-performance trainer and part of ABC Radio's commentary team. Um, Bryce, Gibb work, Bryce Gibbs works as a, a mine operator in Wollongong and uh, Toddy Payton who was the assistant coach or one of the assistant coaches up at the Cowboys is now the assistant coach of the Warriors uh, Thanks for that Kieran, that's awesome uh, which brings us to the last tackle yeah, this, is the, this is the time for your clutch play and I'm going to start us off with a special uh, segment it's called Miles's Minutia, where Miles finds an interesting tidbit about the game and uh, and tells us all about it. Miles, what do you got? Well, look, I was going to say uh, we kind of spoiled it early on. Actually, I was going to say that this is James Orbison's second last game of his career, um, and it's a uh, it's a, a high intensity final, which he kind of gets dragged off halfway through for for Jake Friends, which proves to be. Um, the, uh, a big turning point in the game because Jake Friend's good in this one. So I, I wonder if almost Jake Friend buries Orbison's career here. But regardless, uh, I do want to I do want to say that I think that in my completely unprofessional opinion, I think that on that last play of the game, I reckon Takuri almost certainly catches Sean Kenny Dow. Although if you watch it back, he's basically um, he's basically caught up to him in his first few strides, but he's forced to run away, run around. Liam Fulton, Simon Dwyer, and Bryce Gibbs to get to SKD at the end because they're all kind of lumbering in front of him. So I reckon that Takuri might have caught him if if there was no if it was just if it was just him and, and SKD he might have caught him. 
The next segment, uh, Kieran's own, is Kieran's crossovers, where Kieran imagines a world where one of the players in this game, or maybe multiple players, are successful in another sport, and what that other sport would be. Kieran? So, I've gone, I have to apologise, Sam, before I say this, Sam Parrott, but uh, I think he'd probably go alright in uh, beach volleyball, given the way he batted the ball twice in that game. I... I know the the aim of the game is to get the ball back over the net, but uh, if he could at least tee it up for a teammate, maybe it'd, he'd go all right at it. Yeah, that's 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 true. But also, I, I I'd go a step further: beach volleyball, because the way that he jumped towards that last one, it was like he was jumping out of sand. Uh, it was, <laughs> Beach volleyball, great call. Thank you, Kieran. Uh, now for my for my segment is Bo's box office. I'm a bit of a movie fan, uh, and what I try to do is I try to compare each game uh, to a movie that came out the same year as the game did, just to make it a bit more of a challenge. And I'm speaking from the position of Tigers fans for this one because for Bo's box office this week, the movie is Toy Story Three. After winning the comp with a bunch of the players involved only five years prior, it feels good to be back with Benji, Robbie, and the gang. Things are tough, but you know that the heroes are going to prevail. As the game goes along, we become less confident they can win, despite being the heroes. Those villainous roosters are relentless. By the end of the game, you're guaranteed to be crying. As, as a very last thing, uh, gentlemen, can we please give this match between the Tigers and the Roosters a rating out of 10? And if you see fit, uh, throw it in the conversation of greatest matches ever if you if you put it in that sort of category. Miles, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go as far as to say this is the, the greatest match ever played. Certainly the best I've ever seen during my time watching the sport. But uh, I think this game had it all. Um, it had like multiple um, keystone moments, which we all watch over and over again. Um, it had tears, it had laughter, everything that Bo said, and um, had a lot of lot of superstars playing um, playing key roles. I guess you could call it an ensemble cast. Um, and yeah, well, I forgot uh, forgot how um, how untackleable Don Carney was back in his day. Um, so I'm going to give this a ten. Uh, I'd have to reserve best game I've ever seen. I, I don't know if I could go that far just yet. I'd probably have to, during this coronavirus, have to watch a few games back that I remember being really good. Um, but I would say it's the best finals match I've ever seen by some way, and I don't know that it'll it'll ever be beaten. Given that it's a final, it's probably a, a fair crack to call it the best game ever if I'm calling it the best finals game ever, but it's definitely a 10 out of 10 for me. What a game of rugby league. It had the, the big hits, it had the speed with the intercepts, it had the sidesteps, it had the chip and chase, it had controversy with well, should it have been a penalty at the end or should it not have been. It had everything, extra time, uh, tears, laughter, as you say, fantastic, 10 out of 10. So the, sc- the game gets a 30 out of 30 recommendation from above the horizontal. Uh, Kieran and Miles, thank you both very much for, for joining us. Uh, it's been fun. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. 
your regular panellists are Miles Steadman and Kieran Gibson. Our theme song is Tough Nut by Ryan Cross. I'm Bo Nicholson.